This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Anne Aries. And I'm Lauren Fogelbaum. And today we're talking about celery. Everyone clicks away. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, stick around. It's really interesting. It is. It's surprisingly fascinating. The history is great. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we're talking about it, because as you may know, we recently went to Asheville, North Carolina. We went to the Biltmore House and... I can't personally remember this, but people told us afterwards <laughs> that there were fancy celery dishes in the Biltmore house. Yeah, and we needed to know more. We um, had to, yeah. Also, yeah, I can't find any records of these fancy celery dishes online, any any photos or anything like that. But for the first guests that the Biltmore entertained in 1895 over Christmas, celery was high on the list of supplies to have on hand, along with uh, honey, black walnuts, chestnuts, eggs, fish, and lobsters. It's an interesting assortment of things. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, let's ask the question then, shall we? Yeah, start as we usually do. Um, celery. What is it? The healthy part of your order of wings? A vehicle for peanut butter, in sure. the case of ants on a log. <laughs> oh, sure. Something stuffed inside your Thanksgiving turkey. A garnish for a Bloody Mary. And your favorite Old Bay seasoning. 
one of the Holy Trinity and the French Mirepoix. All, all of those things, yes. Also, um, super producer Dylan's second least favorite food. Second behind <laughs> cucumber. <laughs> we'll have to find out the third, and that will be coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, c- celery is a thing that I use a lot. As I've said before in the show, I can't have. I, I shouldn't eat like onion or bell pepper. Um, so, a lot of the time when I start, if I'm cooking a dish, my my base layer of vegetation is chopped celery and carrot. To give hmm. everything a little bit of a flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I like cel- celery. I feel like it's a good absorber. Yeah. And yeah. it adds some water. It's nice and flavorful in a way that I personally like. <laughs> it's okay to not. I know many people who dislike celery. Yeah. I would have to say uh, most people I know are not fans. I don't like eating it raw, but I think it – anyway. <laughs> <laughs> celery is an aromatic green or green-yellow vegetable in the species Apium graveolens. Different varietals of celery have been developed for three distinct culinary parts. Uh, Dulce, for the firm stalks that we often encounter here in the United States. Secalinum, for the more more tender stalks and leaves, primarily for the leaves. This is also called smallage, or confusingly, wild celery, although it's not truly wild, but it is the closest to the original wild celeries. And to make things even easier, not uh, true, <laughs> truly wild celeries are also sometimes called smallage. Yeah. Thanks, humans. Yeah, that confused me for a good minute. It's okay. The third variety is rapacium, grown for the white root and is also called celeriac. Though celeriac isn't really a root, it's actually a bulbous stem that grows half in and half out of the ground. A lot of clarity here. Yeah. Yep. Um, the the stalks are prized for their crunch and their fiber, the leaves for their tenderness, and the uh, celeriac for its uh, starchy creaminess. Another culinary part of the celery plant, though, is its seeds, commonly ground and used as a spice or as the uh, celery part of celery salt. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And all of these parts have a, like, fresh, herbal, green, savory, nutty, sweet sort of flavor. All can be eaten fresh and raw, but um, generally, maybe aside from the seeds, become kind of like melty soft when they're cooked. Uh, the stalks and leaves can disappear into almost nothing, and uh, the, the root, uh, scare quotes root, behaves a little bit like a, like a parsnip or a carrot. Also, I want to include this quote from the New World Encyclopedia. Celeriac is not as popular as other root vegetables, especially in the Western Hemisphere, very possibly because of its garish appearance before cleaning. It has been described as a vegetable octopus. <laughs> what? If you've, if you've never seen one, um, the, the true roots of, of this root grow down off of the bottom half of the bulb. And, and yeah, it looks a little bit squiddy. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Kind of kind of Cthulhu-y, yeah. Cthulhu-y. <laughs> there is a pun there, and I'm going to come up with it later. Excellent. The family that celery belongs to, umbellifers, is chock full of poisonous plants, including water hemlock, which is what killed Socrates. It's also the family that gives us parsley, cumin, parsnip, and coriander. Yeah, so net positive. <laughs> net positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Celery, or celery's wild ancestors anyway, um, is native to the Mediterranean, but nowadays it's grown in um, North America and temperate Europe, 
Smallage is grown in the Mediterranean and Asia. And you can find wild types all over from Algeria to New Zealand to India. And in the U.S., California is the biggest producer. And I read a lot about seasonality when it comes to celery. It's best in the U.S. in November to December. Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons it probably shows up in a lot of holiday dishes and soups around here. Yeah, it's a cool weather crop for sure. Yeah. But this means that the rest of the year, um, a lot of us are probably eating bad celery. Either bad celery, like subpar celery or celery that has been shipped so far. Right. Yeah. That, that came up a lot when I was researching this, and it's kind of made me want to— like rethink my celery consumption. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, Nutrition-wise, it's pretty healthy. It's six calories per stock, but that's before you load it up with ranch or peanut butter or what have you. <laughs> um, it's got a good amount of fiber and vitamin C. Also vitamins K and A plus a folate and potassium. Celeriac adds a bit of protein and uh, vitamin B6 to the mix. Celery seed is probably not something you're going to eat enough of to really make a difference either way. But as you would expect from a seed, it's got some fat and some protein, uh, plus calcium and iron. A small subset of people are allergic to celery, and um, it can provoke as severe a reaction as peanuts. I haven't heard of this. Uh, Apparently, it's big, and um, the allergy is most common in Central Europe. Yeah. Hmm. Also, uh, celery stalks, leaves, seeds, and root have all been investigated intensely for possible medicinal uses uh, because, well, A, there's historical context, but B, it contains just a lot of compounds that have been earmarked as potentially beneficial, Uh, like lots of antioxidants, which can prevent oxidative damage to your cells, which can help prevent stuff like cardiovascular diseases and cancer. Then there's apigenin, which has been shown to reduce inflammation and promote immune system balance in mice. (laughs) It also may stimulate the growth and development of nerve cells in the brain, also in mice. (laughs) Uh, Celery seed extracts have been shown to help lower blood pressure in hypertensive rats. And there's a flavonoid called lutein that, in the lab, has been shown to make cancer cells more susceptible to chemotherapy chemicals. There's a lot going on there. There is. But wait, there's more. What? What? Uh, there's some human evidence, finally we get to humans, yes. um, that extracts of celery may help relieve menstrual discomfort and can work as a mosquito repellent. Oh, man, I could have used that a couple of weekends ago. <laughs> I think I got 70-plus mosquito bites. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean, bug spray also works is the thing. Don't fall asleep outside, kids. Oh, no. Don't. Well, at least not without planning to. How yeah. about that? That's better. Yeah. And it's and it's like you'd have to like <laughs> just have celery all around me. <laughs> no, you really have to like 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 cook Soak it. In a... Either yeah, like like get an extract and rub it on your skin. It's not just Would I have smelled not, of celery? It's not like garlic for vampires. Yes, you would have smelled of celery. <laughs> Dylan would have hated you. <laughs> Dylan could never hate me. <laughs> It's true. It's true. He's agreeing. Um, But, yeah, the the, the jury is still way out on all of this. Um, And that goes double or even double plus for for anything else that celery is used to to treat. Um, If you want to incorporate more celery into your diet, go for it. But check with the doctor before taking it or its extracts in medicinal amounts. Um, It can also interfere with some drugs like those that increase your sensitivity to sunlight and some sedatives. So, yeah, just... Before you take anything in medicinal doses, maybe check with the doctor. Oh, yeah. Make sure you're doing it right. We are not a medicinal podcast. Not at all. Nope. We're more food and pun category. If that was a, a category <laughs> a on iTunes, category. 
that's where we would be. Yes. It would be the only one. Well, no. No, not at all. No, not at all. But we'd be... We'd be among great company. We'd be among excellent company. <laughs> I would serve them my best celery. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the average American does eat about six pounds of celery a year. Whew. I'm going to assume a lot of that is... Cooked into other things, maybe aside buffalo wings. I don't know. Aside buffalo wings are peanut butter related. Sure. I eat a lot of ants on logs, which is an excuse to eat more peanut butter, but <laughs> I do eat the celery. And celery juice is apparently a really big trend right now. I did not go down this rabbit hole. I think it's for all those potential medicinal benefit things. I got to say, celery juice, I'll try it. But as an ingredient in other vegetable juice, Dylan agrees with you so hard. <laughs> He's out there just shaking his head. Just nope. I'm intrigued. I, I'm intrigued. But it sounds more like something I'd want to baste a chicken in than something that I'd yeah. want to drink myself. Yeah. I don't know. It is bright green. It's like brighter green than celery is, at least in the pictures I saw, which makes me a little suspicious. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. I see you Photoshop Instagram. <laughs> Laura does. She sees right through you. Through you. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of suspicious things, celery does have some suspicious things in its history, which we're going to talk about. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback 
with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Celery, as you might imagine, is way old. Really old. Really, really old. But the evidence is really hard to come by. Oh, yeah. Archaeologists found some celery seeds in 4000 BCE Sweden, which suggests that possibly people were trading with it, maybe. By 5th century CE, a different type of celery called smallage was present in China. And thank you, Confucius for writing things down about smallage. Very helpful. Yes, future podcasters, tip our hats to you. (laughs) Ancient Egyptians gathered up celery, but more for the seeds, which they used for seasoning. And ancient Greeks preferred it more for medicinal purposes, but they did use it culinarily. Uh, Those wild celeries, the the smallage types that were around at the time, were much more bitter than today's celery. Oh, yes. In ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, and ancient China, celery was used as a medicine, particularly for hangovers and aphrodisiacs. (laughs) Also to control hysteria. Oh. Yep. Thank goodness. Yeah. I'll remember that next time. (laughs) The Greeks and Romans used the leaves as part of the crowns worn by victorious athletes, and we know that too, thanks to Pliny. Is it plenty? I've forgotten. It's plenty. Yes. Ha ha. Uh, King Tut's tomb contained a celery leaf wreath, and celery appeared in Homer's 1850 BCE, The Odyssey. Parsley, celery's close relative, has a much more defined history as an ancient foodstuff. Um, it was also uh, kind of related, used to prevent intoxication. So can't wait to do some research on Ooh, yeah. parsley. Mm-hmm. And because we love a good superstition around here, the ancient Egyptians thought that under certain circumstances, celery brought you very bad fortune. Ah. I couldn't find what those circumstances were. <laughs> or what type of bad fortune it might be. <laughs> so, <laughs> Beware. Beware. Vaguely. <laughs> In ancient Greece, celery was viewed as holy, a byproduct of the blood of Cadmalus and was associated with the cult of death, in part because of the dark leaf color. And because of that, it was common to bury the dead with a wreath of celery. Celsus described celery seed pills that were used for pain relief in 30 CE. And the oldest written instance of the word celery, the French root of the modern word celery, is from 9th century CE in a poem espousing its medicinal value in Sounds like quite the poem. It's one of those plant words that is basically always just meant celery, like pretty straightforwardly with no other roots, uh, root words, that is. 
The English word smallage, meanwhile, comes from a combination of small um, and another French word for celery, ash, uh, which roots from the Latin for bee and indicates that bees totally dug celery and parsley flowers. Oh, bees, they're still one of my favorite, favorite oh, things yeah. we've talked about on this show. Anytime I can talk about a bee. We are in. <laughs> it seems as though for a long time, Celery was seen as medicinal only, not a food thing you would eat. Not on purpose, no. No. An Italian text from the 14th century CE describes celery as, quote, rank, coarse, and poisonous. Oh. Celery appeared in gardens in Italy and northern Europe in the 16th century, but it was certainly still viewed as a curative and not a food. In 1623, France produced the first written record of celery as a food thing, but primarily as a flavoring, which is what it was relegated to for about a century. But by the mid-17th century, French and Italians might eat celery with a little bit of dressing. And most likely this was a smaller, tougher, probably more bitter celery. It wasn't until the late 17th and early 18th century that gardeners started to hone growing techniques to improve upon celery. Uh, yeah, they'd cover the celery's growing leaf stalks with soil, which created these paler, less bitter stalks. Yes, and this made the flavor less overpowering and better for salads. But this also made celery more expensive, which means that, yes, this new and improved celery was a rich people food. It was also seen as a food to beef up other dishes, which I find interesting since it's still sort of is seen that way. Yeah. And also maybe as part of a hangover cure, which again, it is still sort of seen <laughs> that way. In 18th century Sweden, wealthy families stored celery in their cellars during the winter. And now that rich folks were enjoying celery and the flavor was less punch you in the face, it spread pretty quickly. By 1806, there were four varieties in the United States. Um, by the late 1800s, Dutch immigrants to Michigan were growing celery in the area, earning Kalamazoo, Michigan, the nickname Celery City. <laughs> Turns out, though, some of that strong flavor lingered. And in the 19th century U.S. and Europe, it was believed you needed to bleach the green bits to get rid of the bitterness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. But let's go back to that rich people and celery thing. Oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> this is another reason why it might be part of holiday meals, because it was seen as a luxury saved for special occasions. Ah. It was a centerpiece of the meal. And, like, literally, it was served in a glass celery vase so diners could take in the full beauty as they ate. No self-respecting, well-to-do Victorian household would be caught without a celery vase. And from about the 1830s to the 1900s, celery appeared in numerous recipes, often as a standalone, the star. Plain celery, in quotes, plain celery, was an item on a menu at many luxurious hotels. It was served in the first-class cabin of the Titanic. There was also a celery dish, like a dish specifically designed for celery to display its beauty. Um, and this was along with your celery vase, which was, it kind of looked like a butter dish. Yeah, like longer. Yeah. yeah. For, for celery. Yeah. Uh, they, people would, would soak the celery in chilled water before serving to, to make it as crisp as possible once you put it into your celery vase. <laughs> um, and and you you just eat it plain, like dipped in salt. I want to become a really just strange Dinner party host. 
We're going to bring back the celery vase. Yeah, you're going to have your pineapple. Yes, the pineapple. <laughs> going to have my tomato plant. and It's going to have a sign like, Do don't eat. eat poisonous. <laughs> I love it. But alas, the market got oversaturated with celery vases. Oh, no. And they were like, not cool anymore, man. Um, <laughs> from 1889's The Steward's Handbook and Guide to Party Catering, the tall celery glasses set upon the table formed the handiest and handsomest medium, but having become so exceedingly common, they are discarded at present at fashionable tables, and the celery is laid upon very long and narrow dishes. Hmm. Exceedingly common. <laughs> celery was still popular, though. And in England, it became common to have celery along with your cheese course. Celery was also seen as a good palate cleanser after fish. Uh, it was basically always served with palate-cleansing relish trays. And this is probably where that tradition of celery being on the side of that fanciest of foods, buffalo wings, probably comes from. I do like it alongside buffalo wings. I feel like it gives a, a nice, maybe it is palate cleanser. Yeah, it's yeah. something that's very opposite of what I'm eating. Right, right. And it's sort, of, it's sort of like a nice break. Yeah. And you dip it in the blue cheese sauce. It's like cool yeah. compared to the hot. Right. Mm. Uh, oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than as a palate cleanser, sort of the opposite of a palate cleanser, I suppose, it was also frequently served uh, au gratin, uh, baked into like celery cheese casseroles. And around this time, China started to cultivate a leafier type of celery, better for soups, now sometimes called Chinese celery, while the Europeans cultivated a much crunchier variety. And by the early 1900s, uh, celery stuffed with cream cheese was served in the West as either a salad course or a very formal dinner cheese course. Formal dinner cheese course? Mm -hmm. Times have changed. They certainly have, yes. By the, by the middle of the 20th century, it was more or less, I mean, it, it had gone through that thing that kind of like aspects and a lot of other things went through where it became, it went from being very fancy to we're trying to be fancy to have it in your lunch, kids. <laughs> right. Although I have noticed semi-recently, more, maybe more a couple of years ago, but that um, like a pureed celery was pretty Ooh, popular. Or celery menus. root specifically, probably, yeah. Yeah, at fancy places. So I mean, it's delicious if, you know, you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. And if you're not, no judgment. No judgment. Eat what you like. Eat what you like. But uh, that is our crash course on celery. Hmm. I don't know. You're still working on it. That's okay. Yeah. I, I'll come. There's a Cthulhu <laughs> celery stalk pun in there. Uh, the Celery Stalks at Midnight was the name <laughs> was the name of a children's book from what? the 90s in the Benicula series. What? Yeah. You were was it in, like a creepy celery? Oh, no. The, the Benicula series was about this rabbit that the, the, the cat and dog in the house thought was a vampire rabbit. Um and oh yeah, and it like it would like it would like suck the life out of vegetables, not not people, just vegetables. So the celery was in mortal danger. Yeah. Oh no, I've got to read this. <laughs> I must find this now. <laughs> oh man, yep, that makes me pretty happy. We can find you a copy. <laughs> Excellent. And that about brings us to the end of this episode, but not quite. No, because first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. All right. So this brings us to listener mail. It was a it was a full moon. Oh, okay, mm. yeah. It was like a werewolf thing, so it wasn't appropriate for the vampire. Oh, that's okay. But it was semi related. Yeah, you know, similar imagery. You're fine. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> um, 
Troy wrote, it was an interesting coincidence that you mentioned Kurlansky's book, Cod, in your Cod episode because I just finished his second book, Salt, on audiobook. Uh, After hearing all of this about cod and how it used to be the ubiquitous white fish, I started thinking about my hometown in Homer, Alaska, which is known for its halibut fishing scene. People come from all over to catch halibut that can easily be over 300 pounds. We also have the yearly halibut derby, where hopeful fishers can purchase tickets at local businesses. If you purchase a ticket, you can submit the weight of your catch in hopes of being the largest of the season or hunt for previously tagged fish to win cash prizes. Uh (laughs) It's expensive to buy because of the high demand, but in the home, vacuum-packed frozen fillets are often traded around between friends and family because of their sheer size being too much for one person. Much like with cod, beer-battered halibut and chips is, in particular, very popular. That sounds good. It does sound good. See, when I first had halibut derby, I was like, halibut racing? <laughs> what? <laughs> you ride a halibut? And you don't... <laughs> what? How does it? Oh. I'm like buying my ticket. <laughs> right now. <laughs> this is still cool, but uh, no, it's not racing. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's still oh, called yeah. a halibut derby. That's Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia wrote, among other things, As to the goblin market, from a literary perspective, I interpreted the goblin market to be a tavern, a place where Victorian women weren't supposed to go. As to the affliction, perhaps it was love or shame inspiring her sister to go and also suffer the shame so that her and her sister could commiserate. Also, there is a series of books by Shannon McGuire called the October Day Series. In one of the books, October, who is half-human, half-fae, becomes addicted to goblin fruit, which, while harmful and magically addictive to humans, is merely a sleep aid to the full-blooded fae. The book touches on human rights themes as it talks about the dangers the substance poses to part-fae people who are often regarded as second-class citizens with no regards to their welfare. Another common fantasy motif is the idea of fairy food, which is magically glamoured food that, when consumed by humans, makes all other foods inedible. When humans try to smuggle this out of the magical realms of fairy, it loses its glamour and turns into toadstools and other such noxious things. It's sometimes used as a means to entrap humans into leaving the real world for fairy to act as servants and slaves to the fae. In one series, one of the heroine's friends is tricked into eating fairy food and must cross the boundary regularly or starve to death. The author in this series was clearly playing off of the common scenario of human trafficking, where people are gotten addicted to drugs and removed from their hometowns and all support so they can be exploited because of their addictions and the shame associated with it. Sorry that got so dark, but fairy tales are often vehicles for exploring darker motifs in literature, and it seemed a necessary mention when considering the goblin market. Yeah. I hadn't, like, put it together, but when I read this, I was thinking that I have seen that kind of a lot. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it shows up in the series uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell um, and also in Neil Gaiman's uh, Stardust um, a, a little bit, yeah, de- dealing with, with that, with those those fruits and that addiction and how how you deal with that. Yeah. And the yeah. Human, human slave trade, which the Fae are always back since Shakespeare's times. Shakespeare! <laughs> At least. At least. I recently went on a a whole rabbit hole about um, the Chronicles of Narnia that I won't go into. But because of that, Uh I went on a different rabbit hole about when children's books became a thing. Mm -hmm. And when, like, because most fairy tales did start off as very dark. Sure. And then they were sort of... Whitewashed a little bit, yeah. 
Yeah, because I think it was Victorians were like, oh, yeah, oh no, and, and also sort of literally whitewashed. Huh? Thanks, racism. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Uh. <laughs> but on a happier note, I am excited to do another episode that was really fun of oh, fictional. Fic- oh yeah, food the, fantasies. The, <laughs> we haven't come up with a good title for it yet. Another another reading of uh, yes. of a fairy tale or other fiction. Yeah, no, we don't have a good title for it. We'll come up with one. We will. We're working on it. But in the meantime, if you have ideas for that, say, especially in the public domain, um, please send them our way. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, stands for How Stuff Works, and on Instagram at food stuff. We do hope to hear from you. You all are always so delightful. Um, thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Yeah, totally. It's true. We thank you. Um, thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.